on this first Lord's Day of each month for a number of months, I have been speaking on Christian zeal, godly, sacred zeal. And I've been using this particular book by Joel Beakey and James A. LaBelle, uh, Living Zealously, as a guide as we've walked through this. Uh, And the scriptural basis for this that I have used is Romans 12, verse 11, which says, Not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Again, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. To lag behind means to be lazy, to be hesitant in some way. And the Apostle Paul is stirring up the church at Rome and saying that the Christians should not be lagging, should not be slothful or lethargic, but instead they should be diligent. The word diligent actually literally means to be of haste. It is the idea of being eager in something. And then he describes the Christian as one who is to be fervent in spirit. The word fervent literally means to be bubbling over. It's the idea of something boiling to the point that it's bubbling over. And there is to be this godly zeal in the life of the Christian, this fervency, this spiritual enthusiasm and fervor. It is a fervency that is in the spirit. Now that could mean in the spirit, meaning the spiritual nature of our fervency, or it could be that Paul Paul is saying there would be fervent in the spirit, that is, by the spirit. It is a spiritual work of God by the third person of the Trinity in the life of the believer. And so we've been talking about how we can live zealously for the glory of God. We have seen the marks of of godly sacred zeal, the motivations of godly sacred zeal. We've seen the regulation of godly zeal. And then recently we've been considering the objects of sacred godly Christian zeal. What things should we be zealous about? And we saw that there are four things in particular. We should be zealous about glorifying God, growing in holiness, strengthening the saints, and saving the lost. That is, we're to be zealous about the glory of God, our sanctification, the church of Jesus Christ, and the proclamation of the gospel in making disciples. This evening, we want to consider Christian zeal for strengthening the saints. That is, a godly zeal for the church of Jesus Christ. Joel Beakey writes in his book, Another object by which Christian zeal fervently pursues the glory of God is the edification of the saints. That translates into a high regard for the Lord's house, worship, and the word by which the saints are edified, strengthened, and built up. He writes that this zeal listen, translates into a high view of the Lord's house. That is a high view of the church, a high view of worship, and a high view of the word. That is the written word of God. Godly zeal has the Lord's house, the church, as its object. 
The zealous believer is zealous for the church. He loves the church. And we began this evening by reading Philippians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul, we see there, had a godly zeal for the glory of God and his Savior, and therefore for the church of Jesus Christ. You remember in Philippians chapter 1 verse 21 that Paul writes, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. He was zealous for Christ, and if he was to live, it meant to live to Christ, to live to his glory. Everything would be about Christ. He was zealous for his Savior. But he was also zealous for the church, for Christ and his church, Christ and his bride cannot be separated. So he wrote in Ephesians 3 verse 21, To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. They were inextricably bound together. Christ came and died, shed his blood, redeemed the church. And so his love for Christ translated into, practically speaking, a love for the church of Jesus Christ. And so as I read earlier in Philippians chapter 1 verse 7, he could say, it is only right for me to feel and think this way about you all because I have you in my heart. You're very dear to me. And he writes, for God has witnessed how I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. He yearned for them. He wanted to see them. He loved them dearly. He had a great affection, a deep affection for them. And where did this deep affection originate? It didn't originate from himself. The kind of affection that we're to have for one another doesn't originate in ourselves. It is an affection that flows from and originates from Jesus Christ. It is the affection of Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, I long for you all with my own affection. No, this is a love that originates, if it were from our own affection, from a sinfully corrupt heart, but it would wane and it would ebb and flow. But a, lo- a love which flows from the love of God in Christ for us, a love which flows from the grace of God in Christ toward us, is a true self-sacrificing love which will seek the good of the other person be quick to forgive and even forgive as Christ has forgiven us is this the kind of love you have for the church for the people of God we just sang in the hymn I love thy kingdom Lord about a love for the church the hymn writer says I love thy kingdom Lord why it is the house of thine abode The church is like a spiritual house. It's like in the Old Testament, the the type, the shadow of what was to come. In the temple, God would manifest His glory there, and therefore the house was a place where He would demonstrate something of His glory to the people. Well, now we don't have a temple where God manifests His glory. We have the church where God manifests His glory. And the hymn writer says, I love the house of God. Your abode, the church, our blessed Redeemer saved with his own precious blood. The hymn writer says, I love thy church, O God. Her walls before thee stand, dear as the apple of thine eye, engraven on thy hand. 
This church is the apple of his eye. That's a, an idiom we use in English to speak of something that's very dear and precious to us. When something is the apple of our eye, we mean it's precious to us. We treasure it. He says the church is the apple of his eye. And therefore, the hymn writer says, For her, the church, my tears shall fall. For her, my prayers ascend. To her, my cares and toils be given until toils and cares shall end. Have you ever wept for the church of Jesus Christ? Are her cares your cares? Her toils and tribulations your toils and tribulations? Then the hymn writer says, Beyond my highest joy, I prize her heavenly ways, her sweet communion, solemn vows, her hymns of love and praise. He says, I love the church. I weep for the church. I pray for the church. The church's cares and toils are my own, and I prize the church. I esteem it. I treasure it. I treasure her heavenly ways. You see, zeal for God always translates into love for the things that he loves. And the church is the apple of his eye. God has set his love on his church. And therefore, we should set our love upon the church. Our cares and toils should be for the church. We should seek her good. If you love your family, if you love your wife, your husband, your children, then you will seek their good. You will do them good. You will seek for ways that you can do them good biblically. And the same is true if you love the church. If you love the church, then you will do the church good. You will be zealous to see the church grow in its love for Christ. You will be zealous to see the church grow in holiness. You will seek her good and you will seek out biblical ways in which you might edify the church and strengthen the saints. Do you have this kind of zeal for the church? Now what does this kind of zeal look like? I can't answer that very exhaustively tonight. But in order to aid us in prayer this evening, let me give you four words that will begin to unfold a little of what this godly zeal for the church looks like. The four words are these, presence, praise, proclamation, and prayer. Presence, praise, proclamation, and prayer. Zeal for the church will manifest itself in these four categories. First, presence. Again, Joel Beakey writes this. The zealous Christian takes seriously the biblical charge not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Because it is there in the Lord's house that God meets with his people through the appointed ordinances It is in the Lord's house that the word of grace goes forth in the gospel. It is in the Lord's house that Christ's saving work is portrayed to nourish our weak faith. It is there the signs of the covenant of grace are administered for our growth in grace. And it is there that the sweet communion and fellowship of the saints 
affords us a taste of heaven. Godly zeal manifests itself in a strong desire to be with the people of God on the Lord's day. A zealous believer wants to commune with those who have communion with Christ by faith. He longs for the fellowship of the saints. He longs for his, his life to be intertwined with others who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And therefore, a zealous Christian wants to be with the people of God. He does not forsake the assembling of the people of God on the Lord's day. Instead, he is zealous to be there and not just be there with his presence, but a purposeful presence. As it says in Hebrews 10, verse 24, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. His presence is purposeful to stimulate, stir up others to love and good deeds, to encourage others in the Lord. And so the object of godly Christian zeal is the church. And this zeal translates into presence, assembling with the saints in order to build them up and to be built up, to help others grow in holiness and to grow in holiness. Godly zeal translates into and manifests itself by one's presence, assembling with the people of God. The second word is praise. There is a zeal to assemble with the people of God in order to praise our great God. Godly zeal always fans the flames of worship. A desire to speak of God and praise Him with our lips, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says, You as living stones, using the analogy of a house, a temple, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. For what purpose? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. One of those spiritual sacrifices we offer up is the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that gives thanks to His name. And so this zeal for the house of God, the church, leads to a zeal for the praise of God with the company of the redeemed. Psalm 22, verse 22. I will tell of your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. Psalm 111, verse 1. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. True zeal for God will translate into praise to God, not just as an individual Christian, but in the assembly of the redeemed. Again, Beeky writes, For the zealous Christian, there is nothing greater on earth than to worship, or excuse me, than the worship of the triune God. It is in that worship that we join our voices of praise with the angels and the spirits of just men made perfect, that is, those who are with the Lord in heaven, as we draw near to God and His Son, Jesus Christ. 
It is the humble means by which we commune with the exalted and majestic Lord, rendering unto him the praise and thanks that are due his name. It is the means by which the saints join their voices together, calling upon God as one people, professing their faith, confessing their sins, lifting their eyes to heaven, from whence their help comes, and raising their empty hands of faith to Christ Jesus, whose sufficiency alone can fill them. And so there is presence, praise, but the third word is proclamation. Godly zeal desires to assemble with the people of God to praise the majesty of God and to hear the word of God. Proclamation. There is a zeal for the public proclamation of the word. This proclamation of the word is central in the preaching of the written word of God. But it permeates all of our gathering together. That's why we often say we are word-centered. We sing the word. We read the word. We pray the word. We preach the word. It's central in the proclamation of the word. But yet everything in our assembling together and our praising God is word-centered. And the zealous Christian... Zealous for the church of God is also zealous for the proclamation of the word. Again, Beeky writes this, We must also be fervent in our zeal for the Lord's word. For it is in the word that God speaks to and edifies his people. Worship is a dialogue between heaven and earth, between God and his people. We cry out for help and God responds with the promise of his presence. We cry out in confession, and God responds with an assurance of pardon. We cry out in prayers for guidance, and God responds with his word. We cry out for a blessing, and God responds with a benediction. All throughout worship, no matter what our need, no matter what our cry, we are directed again and again to the word of God. It is the sovereign remedy in saving balm for the people of God. This is what the truly zealous Christian wants. He does not want to be amused or entertained. He does not want his ears tickled with the wisdom of man. He wants his soul instructed and reproved and corrected and trained in righteousness by the powerful and all-sufficient written word of God. He does not need a cleverly devised, worded introduction. Now again, I'm not against that. Sermons have structure. And there's an introduction. But he's not just waiting to be hooked by an introduction. He wants to hear the written word of God. And so when the zealous believer hears the words, Open your Bibles. His heart leaps for joy. When he hears the word read, he listens intently, not as a casual hearer, but an effectual doer. He wants to hear the word, for it is the written word of God. The zealous believer is not like the rich king who has gorged himself all day long and wants no more. No, he's more like the growing infant who cries for food, and never seems to be satisfied. He's hungering and thirsting. 
for more and for more. He's like a newborn baby longing for the pure milk of the word, 1 Peter 2, verse 2. Having tasted of the kindness of God in salvation, the zealous believer hungers for more and more. And while he may and he must come to the feast of the written word of God at other times and on other days, he longs for the Spirit's work through the preached word on the Lord's day with the people of God. He sees the kindness of God in the command of 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Preach the word. That command is the kindness of God to the church. The church hears that. The word is to be preached. And they say, what a kind and gracious God. That he would command us to come and hear the word preached. For in the public proclamation of the word in the church... The Spirit is kind to His church, manifesting the glory of Christ and working holiness in and among His people. And so His heart is zealous to be with the people of God, to hear the public proclamation of the Word with the people of God. And so there is this zealousness that manifests itself in His presence, wanting to be with the people of God. Praise, the praise that comes from the lips, that then comes from the heart, and a desire to hear the proclamation of the word. But finally, the fourth word is prayer. Zeal for the church not only translates into a desire to praise God with the company of the redeemed, along with a desire to hear the proclamation of the word of God, but there's also a desire for the zealous Christian to pray with the people of God. There is a desire to go before the throne of grace with other believers in order to intercede for one another. Acts 2 verse 42 says they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, that is, to the word, to the one another's, to strengthening the saints. It says to the breaking of bread, that is, the Lord's Supper, And they were devoting themselves to prayer. Much grace is needed if the church is to be a holy bride. Much grace is needed if the church is to stand firm in the Lord in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Much grace is needed if the church is to bear up under the great trials of a fallen world. Much grace is needed if the church is to proclaim the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. And therefore, zealous Christians long to come to the throne of grace with fellow partakers of grace. You remember the exhortation of Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16. But I want you to notice as I read this that it's not you, singular, do this, but it's we, plural. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us, plural, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we 
may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's not just for the individual Christian in his so-called prayer closet, privately. This is a promise for us, the people of God, gathered and assembled together to draw near together with confidence to the throne of grace so that we together as the church might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Godly zeal draws us to assemble together. Godly zeal compels our tongues to praise Him together. Godly zeal stirs our hearts to hear His word together. And it also humbles our wills to seek His mercy in prayer at the throne of grace together. All of this comes from a zeal for the church of Jesus Christ, an appropriate object of Christian zeal. So what about you this evening? Are you zealous for the church, the house of God? Are you zealous for those things that accompany our gathering together? Let me close again with the words of Joel Beakey as he asks questions to examine ourselves by. Are we zealous for God's house, worship, and word? Do we love His ordinances which are appointed for the edification of the saints? Are we zealous for His sanctuary and do we long for His courts? Is His voice the voice of our beloved? Have we seen God's beauty in His sanctuary and felt the comforts and delights of His house? Then we cannot forsake regular attendance in worship. We must be able to tell others what the Lord has done for our soul, in what graces we have been strengthened, and with what comforts the Lord has consoled our hearts. Do we love worship by which we commune with God and He with us? Then we will prize the Lord's day and keep it holy, for it is the queen of our days, the oasis of our week, our refuge and reorientation. Do we love the Lord's word? It is our divine cordial, our refuge, our rule and guide, our delight. And we will not neglect to sit under its ministry. We will not neglect to heed its voice. We will not take lightly what the Lord says to us in it. In short, we will be zealous for the edification of the saints by these prized and glorious means of God's house God's worship, and God's word. For how shameful it is when we are cold toward the Lord's house and ordinances, unmoved by the apostolic greeting announcing the Lord's grace and mercy toward us, unmoved by the festal song that calls us to draw near to the Lord by announcing the Lord's drawing near to us. We should be shaken by our coldness to the call to profess our faith and renew our engagement to be the Lord's, by the call to confess our sin that we might receive assurance of the Lord's gracious pardon. It is sin to be unmoved by the proclamation of the Word of God, which calls us again to find refuge in Christ and Him crucified, unmoved by the benediction which announces the Lord's blessing and favor, upon all who trust in the Savior whom He has provided us. It's sin to be cold. Therefore, this evening, we want to pray 
that we would indeed have a zeal, as we've talked about already, for the glory of God. And a zeal for holiness, but this evening, a godly zeal for the church. A zeal that translates into, again, our presence, praise together, the hearing of the word, proclamation, and praying for one another. And so this evening, let us pray fervently for this kind of godly zeal. Let us pray for our own hearts in this regard. However, let us not only pray for this kind of zeal just for ourselves and for our sake, but let us pray that our souls would be strengthened in this sacred zeal that we might strengthen one another. May we be zealous for the church, for the benefit and edification of other believers, and all to the glory of our Savior who has shed His blood.